welcome to the Speakeasy Sports Show. Time to pull up a seat, pour a glass, and talk some ball. Here's your hosts, Daniel and John. What is up, everybody? Episode one of the Speakeasy Sports Show. John, it feels good to be to be starting. We've been talking about this for a while now. We have been. Like, it has been uh, quite a few mo- months that we have been talking about this since we first uh, broached the idea. But, man, it's good to be here. It is good to be here, and I'm so excited about this show um, because we get to talk about college football and whiskey. And I... I mean, <laughs> I mean, even just talking about one of those things would be great. But to be able to incorporate both of our passions and and our loves into one show is absolutely fantastic. So let's just kick it off, episode one. Thank you so much if you're listening to this somewhere. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, thank you so much for being a part of the first episode, John. Um, what are you drinking tonight? And and who are you drinking it in honor of? Let's start the show that way. Well, listen, Daniel. So um, I, I'm in, actually in New York, um, and I went downstairs to the hotel bar, and I got a nice big pour of Garrison Brothers Small Batch Bourbon, which is out of Texas. Okay. The first legal uh, legal distillery in Texas, and I'm drinking this in honor of the Texas State Bobcats football Ooh. team, led by former Auburn and LSU quarterback. T.J. Finley. T.J. Finley sighting, everybody. Who (laughs) just went absolutely off on Baylor. I mean, 42 points on Baylor just hung. I I almost hung half a hundred on Baylor. Um, So so Garrison Brothers out of Texas. Big hints of tobacco, caramel, little butterscotch. Really nice pour for an absolute really nice performance by TJ Finley and the Texas State Bobcats. That, that is absolutely fantastic. Cheers to Texas State. I I am drinking a classic, uh, one of my go-tos. It is a Lagavulin 16. Um, it's You've probably had it before. If you have, then you know the, the profile of Lagavulin is aggressive and it's amazing. I'm drinking it not because it reminds me of a particular college football team, but I'm drinking it really in honor of a couple things. This particular bottle was given to me as a birthday gift, and so I'm drinking it in honor of the birth of this podcast and in honor of the birth of the new college football season. It's week one of the college football season. It's a birthday scotch, and so it felt appropriate tonight as we and, and this is definitely this is definitely the birth let's just let's let's be clear week zero weeks did like, not exist uh, it was it's the braxton it's the braxton hicks contraction of the birth <laughs> process yeah uh, this is, is that deal. the first time week zero has ever been called the braxton hicks of college football <laughs> it could be i mean we're 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 setting precedents already we're breaking uh, ground we've already toasted great. to texas state bob the texas state bobcats <laughs> are the first team mentioned on the Speakeasy Sports Show. That will be a trivia question later down the road. Um, All right, John. Let's get into this past weekend, and let's talk about some takeaways. Top-shelf takeaways. Your your big thought coming out of week one. I think think we're thinking in a similar direction here, so I'll let you kick us off. What is your top-shelf takeaway from week one? 
Yeah, Daniel, I think we uh, are thinking in a similar direction. Mike Norvell and the Florida State Seminoles. Mm-hmm. Um, my big takeaway, the most notable thing that I saw, is Mike Norvell has built a damn football program yep. at Florida State again. And in, a, in an era, in a world where it is win now, which is understandable, but it is absolutely you got to win and you got to win now. This is a man who just two years ago, uh, the fan base boosters wanted to run this man out of town on a rail when he started his second year going 0-4, losing to FCS Jacksonville State. Um, then he ended that season 5-7, and seven, and then he lost the number one player in the country, Travis Hunter, to Jackson State and Deion Sanders. Maybe the um, biggest and, recruiting signing day coup in the history of college football. In the history, everyone said Travis Hunter was going to Florida State. Went to Jackson State, so that's by where the this way man is was. Travis is Travis Hunter any good? By the way, John, like is he any good? Is Travis Hunter any good at football? Travis, absolutely. And so Mike Norvell um, and Florida State came out last year. You know they 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 beat LSU, and everybody thought, well, all right, well, you know it's kind of fluky. It was a miss extra point in Brian Kelly's first year, and all these things. Um, Mike Norvell won 10 football games last year, and then he started this year absolutely bullying LSU. And when I look at, you know, when I look at those athletes on that field, and I look at Mike Norvell, who stayed consistent, who went out, who evolved when he said, hey, like, we, we're, we're having, you know, challenges in these, in these um, situations. He used the transfer port- portal to his advantage, did all of the things um, that, you know that a, that a program builder really um, needs to do, and for me, it's just really impressive what he was able to do this weekend. Now, it's just one game, but at the end of the day, um, seeing the talent on the field, seeing um, all of that work come to fruition over the last three years, uh, especially where they were just two years ago, is is really top shelf for me. Just a just a really amazing performance by Florida State. Yeah, I mean, I think you. You bring up a great point about the history, the Mike Norville history, obviously coming out of Memphis um, and and seeming like a huge failure instantly at Florida State. But, man, I just can't get over this particular team. You mentioned the athletes on the field. I mean, this is the best receiving group in America. This is the best offensive line in America, I think. I mean, I get – I know that there's a lot of good offensive lines out there, but – there are not many better than Florida State's offensive line. They have a veteran quarterback who still makes some really dumb decisions, but is able to get away with most of them because the offensive line is so good and the receivers are so good and he is so mobile and able to to cover up for a lot of his own mistakes. And then the athletes in that front seven on the defense, oh, on the defensive oh, line oh, and the oh, linebackers. You thought LSU, I know Mason Smith was out, but you thought LSU was going to have the more athletic front seven, but they did not. Mm. They did not even come close mm. to having the more athletic group of big defenders in this game. Um, Florida State is a legitimate national championship contender, and that is my top shelf takeaway from this weekend. It They are a legitimate contender to win the whole dang thing. And if you think they're not, if you think, oh, they're Florida State, Mm 
oh, it's Florida State, guys. Florida State's going to do what Florida, blah, 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 blah. That's, you, you surely by now, as a college football fan, you realize that you and I and everyone else said the same thing about Clemson. Didn't we? Like Clemson's going to Clemson. Clemson can't do any. They can't get out of their own way. We made Clemson into a verb that was that just meant failing at college football. Yeah. And then what did Clemson do? They went out and won two national championships in four years. You said the same thing about Georgia. <laughs> oh, it's Georgia. Yeah. They're never going to get over the hump. Like, like 40, 41 years. Yeah, it's, they, they, they haven't won anything in forever. And then what did they do? back-to-back national championships and the number one team in the country, the favorite to win the third. Florida State is – none of those teams are relevant to this team. None of those previous years mean anything to this. This year, they have one of the best rosters in the United States of America in college football. That makes them a legitimate national championship contender, and I have a feeling we will get to later in the podcast – the path in the ACC is clear. Mm. It is. Mm. Let me just say, it's a mm. clear path for Florida State to Boy. just walk into that playoff. Boy, is it clear. Boy, yeah. is it clear. It's uh, yeah. all right. Yeah. Let's, so let's shift our focus. Florida State, national championship contender. Mike Norvell certainly has built a program, turned that thing around. Let's look to the other side. If, if that's your top shelf takeaway, let's look back at this weekend and you tell me, John, who needs a stiff drink? Like, who should we be collecting money to purchase yeah. a drink for this yeah. week because um, of what we saw over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of contenders, right? Yeah. You've got, you've <laughs> so, got a lot of contenders on this lot. list this week. Uh, I mean, Butch Jones was crying on the sideline, and one of his players had to pick him up and console him. So that man, that Butch Jones, somebody pour that man a drink. I mean, um, people have been needing to pour Butch Jones a drink for nigh on a decade, John. And like, correct. Yeah. And that's and that's why Butch Jones is not my actual pick. My actual pick is is Brian Ferentz, offensive coordinator oh, man. at Iowa. Nepotism Much maligned award. offensive coordinator. Man. Yeah. Okay, so Iowa, imagine this. So the offseason, all you hear is um, your dad should fire you as offensive coordinator. You take a $50,000 pay cut. You you get written into your contract that the team has to win seven games and they have to average 25 points per game. Written into That's the contract. It's never been seen before. Contract. Never been seen before in the <laughs> history of sports. point total. An actual point total. What do you do? You come out in game one. Mm-hmm. New quarterback, offense, transfer quarterback. New quarterback. We're excited. You're off, so excited. Your offense comes out and throws a passing touchdown on the opening drive for the first time since 1991. 32 years, Iowa had not thrown a passing touchdown on an opening drive touchdown um, in a game. I would say Iowa fans are just like stripping off their clothes instantly at that moment, but you know they weren't wearing a shirt anyway. Like they weren't wearing a shirt to begin with. Daniel, I tweeted, I tweeted because I was dumb enough to take Iowa 33 and a half point total, take the over. God, took the over. And and I tweeted, Iowa scores an opening, you know, drive touchdown, God is good. And I was so excited. I was excited. I don't even care about Iowa football, and I was excited. Then what happens? 
The yes. team proceeds to score 17 points the rest of the game and miss the 25-point total that is written into the contract. So Brian Brian Ferentz, now this team has to average uh, a gazillion points. This was um, one of your gimmies. This was one where you it, needed to bank gimme. some this, points. You needed to you lay needed, some points up for the future. Absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, Brian Ferentz, man, needs a stiff drink. I think Iowa fans need a stiff drink as well. Um, what a start uh, to come one point shy of what is written into your contract that you have to average <laughs> this yeah. season. It so. um it's tough. It's tough to be an Iowa fan. Um, Kurt, I mean they got it. Kurt, this got to be Kurt Francis last year. I'm not talking about Brian. Be. I'm talking about Kurt. Like it's got it. It has to be his last it has year. To be. Um, I'm gonna go. Who you got, Daniel? I'm gonna go to a team you already mentioned tangentially earlier. Somebody needs to buy the Baylor football program a drink uh, because. Mm. Listen, this was supposed to be a warm-up game against Texas State. Throw Texas State a little bone. They come on over in, you know, to Waco, play a little football game against Baylor. Baylor's trying to get tuned up because they got Utah next week, Mm -hmm. and that's supposed to be an exciting game. We're supposed to be looking forward to that game. But as you mentioned, T.J. Finley in Texas State comes in and hangs 42 points on the Baylor Bears at home in their home opener. I've heard people I've heard people saying this year that they think Baylor's going to could be 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 this season. Mm-hmm. Like there's people mm-hmm. there have been people who have been very high on this Baylor football yes. team this year. Yes. And they go out and lay that egg in week 1. Not only that, their their quarterback uh Blake Shapen gets hurt in the game. He's out 2 to 3 weeks now. They are going to get absolutely run by Utah this week, mm. and it's going to be a long season for the Baylor Bears. It's there's not a lot to do in Waco, and so I imagine you don't all you don't have to pour anybody a drink. Like I imagine it's already happening. Like uh, it's in, in Waco, it's flowing. I I have been to Waco. There are many many uh, watering hole establishments in Waco, Texas. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but right. pour, pour one for Dave Please. Miranda um, and make it Please. strong. Please. All right. Um, let's let's go let's go six pack here, John. You're gonna catch on. By the way, all of the segments are that have a have a theme to them. It's the Speakeasy Sports Show. We're just trying to. It's a little on the nose, but we're not <laughs> we're not ashamed of it. Like, listen, not at is, all. This is who we are. Let's go six pack takeaway. So quick thoughts. Quick takeaways. We can go rapid fire on this. We'll go alternating shots. Um, what's your first ta- your first of your six pack of thoughts and takeaways from this weekend? What'd you learn, man? DJ Uangale may have made a fantastic decision in transferring out of Clemson. Um, it was just the Oregon State played San Jose State, but DJU was responsible for five touchdowns, two hundred fifty yards offense really you know uh felt like this is who the guy was coming out of high school five-star recruit you know using his legs big arm um and uh for me i think dju may have made a good decision especially after uh after seeing what happened with garrett riley's offense in clemson yeah I mean number one if you're a college football fan you already know this but if you're a casual 
observer of college football, Oregon State is very good. They're they're well coached. They're a very yep. good football team. And last year they won with zero quarterback play. I'm talking about zero, zero. quarterback zero. play. <laughs> it was running the ball and defense. So you uh, add a guy who just can throw it. They're still going to yeah. run the ball and play defense. They have all that yeah. back. That's all still there. Yeah. Now you add a guy who brings a little bit of a threat of that. He doesn't have to do too much. They're not putting too much on his shoulders. I think that's great for DJ. You mentioned Garrett Riley. I'm going to go to his former school and mm. just say TCU. Yikes. I mean, yikes. It was... How many times did the Fox broadcast use the phrase defending national champions or defending national runner-ups to describe TCU as if Boy. this team on the field even vaguely represents that team, as Boy. if they're even similar a little bit? They are not. TCU this year looks to be a hot mess. Uh, the quarterback obviously is gone. Quinn Johnston is gone. So Max Duggan and Quinn Johnston both out of there, uh, leading rusher, gone. Most of the key players off the defense, gone. Garrett Riley, gone. And um, the offense actually looked okay. Colorado's defense is probably terrible. But the TCU defense, I've never seen a team take worse angles toward the football in the in Boy. a game than I saw Boy. In that TCU-Colorado game. Very entertaining game. Very bad football being played by TCU. So, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my second drink in the six-pack uh, goes to, to Shane Beamer. Listen, shame Ooh. on me. Shame on me for betting on Shane Beamer. Shame on me. It's kind of like, like when you um, – if you ever go to a craft brewery mm -hmm. and they have like, you know – kind of the experimental kind of new thing and it's got like a little quirky name and you're kind of like oh that's interesting and like maybe that let me let me try that that drink mm -hmm. and then it's just not good let me spend 14 dollars on that uh on that beer <laughs> boy. Yeah. boy and then it is just not good yeah. man don't bet on shane beamer that offensive line is just bad um you talk about poorly coached. I mean, I think, you know, that that team, obviously they have some gaps in, in certain positions, but um, I really gave Shane Beamer a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, and shame on me, um, will not do that again. That's that's a, my second but John, six pack. But, John, it was the chain gang's fault that they lost the game, they were, John. They, I don't they know. They were eight. They were not. They were, <laughs> They were there were some some uh, they were gobbling some glizzies over there <laughs> and know. just like and just what? it was glizzy goblin was going on and they just didn't know what the, the never, clock was wrong. Never in my I life mean, have I heard a boy. coach come on in a post game. Never and play. My second, they were eating hot dogs. My second, uh. my second in my six pack is. Um, this Brent Key-led Georgia Tech team, John, mm. dang it. Now, I know mm. they lost this game on Friday to Louisville, but they covered the spread, and um, they looked they looked good. This I don't know how many games Georgia Tech's going to win this year because the talent yeah. on the roster is still absolutely below it, even ACC mm -hmm. par. It is, it is just a really depleted roster. 
uh, trying to make up for some of the deficiencies of the previous regime. Um, but Brent Key, you know, he finishes the season four and four last year. Um, one of those losses to Georgia. So really, he finishes the season four and three in games against against win that are a winnable opponent. Uh, and then they come out this year and they play a scrappy, uh, scrappy game against the Louisville team. I, I felt for him at the end. Haynes King, I thought, played decently well uh, in the game. He's certainly an upgrade over anybody that Georgia Tech has had at quarterback in quite some time. I don't know how many games Georgia Tech's going to win, but I guess they're they're a fun team to watch. They go out there and they fight and they play hard, and they're a fun team to watch under Brent Key. Um, there's something like Brent Key gives me a certain kind of vibe. I don't know if you get this, like, but like it, it feels like to me, he's just like this, this ball coach on the outside, but he gives me this like kind of skeevy underhanded type of vibe. Like, like he's, there's something devious going on with Brent Key all the time, but whatever he's doing, it's working. At Georgia Tech, mm. I, I'm, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. He he reminds me of a uh, less animated Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, right? <laughs> yeah, like just a yeah. football guy. Yeah. That you're like, man, that guy. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what what's going on in that head. I don't really want to talk to him, but he sure seems no, to know correct. a lot about football. But uh, but listen, Brent Key. I mean, coach, you don't you don't stay for multiple years as the offensive line coach at the University of Alabama under Nick Saban if you if you don't know what you're doing and you, and you can't for sure. coach and get those guys, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, Georgia tech, um, like you said, I don't know how many games they're going to win. They obviously are going to have to learn how to win. It's been a long time since they have had a winning culture at Georgia tech. And yeah. so I think that's a big part of why they lost that game. It's like, you, you gotta learn how to close, but, yeah. um, but good fight. Yeah. Sam Hartman. Let's talk about Sam Hartman. Okay. Man, what a godsend for Notre Dame. Sam Hartman is the real deal. Like Sam yeah, Hartman, yeah. I mean they've you know, they're playing Tennessee State and Navy, you know, whatever, but like you you watch that guy uh leading that team right now and I think, you know, when you look at down the road, you look at Heisman potential candidates, you look at those things you know, six takeaways for me from the weekend is if Sam Hartman keeps playing at this level, if Notre Dame can win, you know, they've got uh, a game versus North Carolina, for example. Like, they get um, – or maybe it's for – no, Clemson. Who are they playing? Anyway, yeah, they play They play Clemson. But, they play Ohio State in a few yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ohio State. That's what I was thinking about. Uh, but, yeah, Sam Hartman, man, you know, you – if if he can win a couple of those games, I think Sam Hartman is going to be in New York. Um, I think yeah. he is absolutely the real deal. You know, he's 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 forty five years old and probably has three kids. Um, but sure. he's the he Stetson is, Bennett is, of this year's college football. Man. Yeah, he's the Stetson. He's the Hendon Hooker of this year's college football. Like it's <laughs> it's fantastic. You love to see it. Yeah, but man, uh, what a what a leader! What an incredible player! He's a fun guy to watch play football. Um. Billy Napier is a hot mess at Florida. Like it's a, it's a tough scene on Thursday night. Um, mm. If you're if you're living in Gainesville, you're cheering for the Gators. It um, that's a tough scene anyway. But it's a tough anyway. scene. <laughs> it's a tough scene. Billy Napier. I mean, a couple things. 
number one, you're out coached, but you're out coached by Kyle Whittingham. He's 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 a great coach. So like he's it's coach. not. Yeah, you were out coached in the game though, and that's you know that is not not ideal. Mm-hmm. But the penalties, the lack of discipline on the team, yes, that's not a great reflection on the coach. But then you're trotting out guys wearing the same number on special teams plays like we're talking about people not being aligned properly there's just some very obvious but none of that to me is the biggest red flag if I'm a Florida fan the biggest red flag is that he is standing there on the sideline just disinterested in the whole like not even not even really upset I don't need you to pitch a fit and throw your visor and stomp around and like make a scene, but looked genuinely disinterested. And his team was doing their best to hang around in that game for a while. It's not like they were totally out of the game, even though they were not the better team from from the get go. But Billy Napier, man, I don't know. He was was he just trying to get out? get out of salt lake like was he just looking to catch his flight it was a it was a tough scene that's a mess that's a mess in gainesville they might lose a lot of games this year and um florida fans are not patient people like it's not it's not gonna last much longer well you know billy napier he he one of the first things he did is hire a game changer coordinator to be the special teams analyst to get things like not having two guys with the same number on special teams on the field at the same time, to get those mm-hmm. things right. That was his his thing. And, you know, somebody made the point um, this week that there's a, there's a big difference between being part of Nick Saban's program and seeing him hire 100 people on staff and and knowing those positions and knowing, you know, what, what Nick Saban – did and does and actually managing those hundred people and actually Mm. you know having to lead those hundred people and having (laughs) to create the culture for those hundred people and um and that and that's you know you say you mentioned disinterested i think i think there's there's some culture challenges in the staff at florida that became really really apparent um the you know last year and this year yeah um yeah um Daniel, I don't like these new clock rules. Oh man! Listen, I don't. I don't know. People like them, John. People, people, pe- people are into it. People love the I new clock. Not, I am not into it. Listen, I am trying to keep up with this game and understand. All right, when when does the clock stop? When does it run? When you know? When does it stop on a first down? When does it doesn't stop on a first down? Um, I'm with Chip Kelly, who – I don't know if you saw Chip Kelly at halftime. Well, nobody saw who, Chip Kelly because his game kicked off at 11.45 Eastern time, and so well, nobody watched Chip Kelly this week. Well, at halftime, Chip Chip <laughs> Kelly uh, says, I hope you are selling a lot of commercials. Uh, he was obviously mad that his offense didn't run uh, as many plays. And listen, I think that's probably a Chip Kelly problem more than, than a football program. But, man, they – these rules, listen, I, I, I don't – I understand. I mean, I guess we, we'll have a bigger sample size over the next couple of weeks and see how much it actually speeds up the game or not. But uh, I don't I don't love the idea of uh, you get a first down, the clock doesn't stop, um, you know, a, a lot of incomplete passes, the clock doesn't stop, all these things. It's um, 
I, I think it's a it's a big farce. Can but, I say something that I've never please. really had the opportunity to say that just yeah. it drives me insane? Because I don't think there's a single person who does TV in the booth who is aware of the fact that for years in college football, years and years, if it's outside of four minutes to go in the half and you run out of bounds, the clock will stop momentarily, but then it will start again. The people in the booth don't know it. The, yeah. the quarterbacks don't know it. The head coaches <laughs> don't know it. And constantly correct, correct. people are yeah. saying things like, he needs to get out of bounds. He needs to, oh, well, he shouldn't have, you know, your team's up by seven points. And a guy, a running back, gets to the edge. He gains five extra yards and runs out of bounds. And the guys in the booth are just giving him hell over, oh, well, he he ran out of bounds. He's going to cost his team what running out of bounds. And, I mean, the clock has stopped for three and a half seconds, and then it starts again and just ticks off a full, yeah. you know, full 35 seconds. It, it just learn the rules of what is happening if you're going to get paid to talk about what yeah. is happening. It's just it's a yeah. little thing I have. Um, let's just, talk about Chip. Let's talk about Chip Kelly, but not necessarily Chip Kelly. Let's talk about the Pac-12 in general. By the way, pour one out for the Pac-12. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, to the, the Pac-12. Pac-2. The Pac-2. It's the two. It's the two pack, Daniel. <laughs> the two, two don't. Nope. All right. Nope. 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 We're gonna edit that part out. Um, it's, good uh, it's good bourbon tonight. It's good bourbon. Good, it's Garrison. It's good. It's good. It's good. How many of those? How many of those pours did you get at the hotel bar? Oh, People are asking. Uh, <laughs> um, the I love that we're trying to. By the way, the, like the Oregon State AD is like we really want to retain the Pac-12 like branding. Like there's only two of you that you just you cannot do that. You and Washington State cannot be the Pac-12. Like we cannot. Uh, this may be the last year of the Pac-12, but dang it, John, the Pac-12 is the most fun college football conference in America this year, and it is not even close. Washington is really freaking good. Like they have a at least on offense. They've got a Heisman candidate quarterback. They have elite players on the skill positions, and they are well-coached on offense. Let me continue. USC, all of the things that I just said about Washington are also true about USC. Oregon, same script, same thing. Utah, totally different script, but a really fun team nonetheless. The Pac-12 is deep, it is talented, it is going to be loaded with fun college football games. Too much gets made about, oh, Pac-12 teams don't make the playoff, they never really, they're never really that good, they cannibalize each other, they whatever. I don't know if a Pac-12 team is going to make the four-team playoff this year or not. Because maybe they will cannibalize each other and beat each other up and whatever. And guess what that's going to mean? It's going to mean really good regular season football games for you and I to watch all year long, every single week in the Pac-12. And I could not be more excited for it. There are like seven or eight teams in the Pac-12. Oregon State, I already mentioned, really good football team. There are like seven or eight teams in the Pac-12 
that if they are playing, I really want to watch the game, almost regardless of the time it's on or the opponent. I'm all in on the Pac-12 this year, John. It's incredible. Yeah, I, um, you know, Bo Nix. Bo Nix, Heisman. Fun. I mean, I mean, he's That's having what I'm fun being told, at least. He, he might be the dark horse for for Heisman. I mean, they scored um, no, 129 I mean, points in the game. Dude, so Oct- so, so how many points are going to be scored? How many points are going to be scored on October 14th when Washington and Oregon get together? God, that might be. I mean, Dan Lanning may pass away a- during the game. <laughs> he may just pass he away might. on the sideline. He, he might. Well, I don't know if 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 they if they're scoring 81. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Pac-12, super fun. All right, um, last one for me. Hot takes abound. Hot takes and overreactions mm-hmm. abound. Um, it's week one, and I, you know, we we are learning a lot, but we are still learning. Um, so this week we have heard that Jalen Milrow is the new Cam Newton. We've heard that Colorado is gonna win eight games. We've heard that Texas A&M is a national championship contender. We've heard that Georgia offense stinks and Mike Bobo needs to be fired. Um, so many conclusions and hot takes. A lot this of week. conclusions, and man. I mean, a lot of conclusions. And I think you know, for me, um, I'm excited to see what we learn in this upcoming week and the weeks to come. I think Kirby Smart, uh, head coach of Georgia, gets it right where after the game he said, you know, you can't get too high, you can't get too low. And so the folks, you know, that are on that losing end uh, can't get too low. The folks that, you know, uh, went out and scored 81 on, you know, the little sisters of the poor, whoever mm-hmm. Oregon played, um, can't get too high. I mean – at the end of the day, it's it's one week, and there are so many hot takes and overreactions abounding out there. Yeah, no one learned anything this week. I mean, it's with the exception of maybe Florida State or you yeah. know some of these other it's, big time matchups or whatever. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um, I have a friend who, when he buys a bottle of bourbon, mm-hmm. it is the best bourbon that has ever been distilled in the history of the world. <laughs> Um, it every is, bottle, you know, it is like every bottle. every bottle. It's like, hey, this, you know, and, and it's, it's every bottle is the best bottle. Every bottle is, you know, this is the this is the next like allocated, yeah. you know, thing coming out. Like you got to know about this. Uh, I feel that way on uh, social media and among my circles around some of these takes this week. Yeah, that guy, I hate that guy. You know why? Because he cost me a lot of money. Because it's like, all right, well, I guess I gotta go get it. You gotta go try this, man. You gotta go try. I guess I gotta go pick it up. Once people find out, once people find out about Colorado, yeah, you better buy two. You better buy two and just keep one sealed. You keep one sealed. You put it on the second. You put Colorado on the secondary market in a couple months, and whoo boy, finance the whole operation. Um, Mm. Let me end. Let me end with this one. Um, and then we'll get to we'll get to some some things that we're looking for in this upcoming weekend to close out the show. Um, maybe I'll ask it in the form of a question, John. Has college football passed Dabo Sweeney by? Like, is it mm. is it is he just standing there on the side of the road, and all of a sudden with his thumb out, and all of a sudden. The college football train went on by and didn't stop for him, and now he's just left standing there. Because 
if it's starting to feel that way a little bit but all the transfer portal stuff all the complaining about the way things are all of the adamantly you know supporting players never being paid for their name image and likeness while he makes you know nine figures 12 million. yeah 12 million. 12 million um it all of that it it was it was sort of comically eye roll for a while but now it starts to feel like oh look at what florida state mike norvell has done just as a point of comparison and look at what clemson has done since the transfer portal really came into existence one of these programs on the rise and one of them's on the decline and i think it is because of their head coaches not in spite of their head coaches well i mean last night duke absolutely stuffed dabo sweeney in a locker mike elko yep literally took dabo sweeney and he pulled his hoodie <laughs> over his head and he pulled the strings yeah like super tight and he tied them yeah and then he spun Dabo around, yeah. and then he kicked him in his butt, like in front of everybody on national television. And first of all, look at Mike Elko and tell me, and look at Dabo Sweeney and tell me you can't visualize that exact scenario playing out, bro. Like, bro that is happening. That is absolutely happening. Yeah. He is pulling the hoodie over and yeah. he is spinning them around. But listen, no, I agree with your point. Like I, I think for me, it's it's not just about you mentioned. Some of it is, you know, felt uh, comically laughable. It's not just about saying, if we start paying players, I'm going to do something else. Like, it's not just about those things, right? If Dabo Sweeney, what, what has happened with Dabo Sweeney is Dabo Sweeney has developed an ego around these things, right? He has developed, like, my way is the right way. And the rest of college football that has moved mm-hmm. on, Yep. Clearly has moved on. Clearly is in yep. transfer portal, name, image, of likeness, era. No matter how you feel about it, college football has moved on. Yeah. And Dabo Sweeney has made it an ego thing. And what's happened now is now that has projected onto his team. Mm-hmm. He said in the offseason, every class that has come through, or every player that has come through, I, I don't I can't remember exactly how it said it. Clemson, since 2013, has won a national championship. He said that in the offseason, right? And and basically said, like, this team is up. It is this team's time yeah. to do this. And for me, when you start saying things like that, you're making it literally about ego. You're making it about yourself. You're making it about, you know, all these things. Um, when you do that at the – expensive you're not bringing in athletes in the transfer portal you're not filling gap filling gaps where you need to you're not supporting um name image likeness in the way that some of these other programs are and i think you know for me there is a difference between building a culture that you that you are you very much believe in you have strongly held opinions around the type of culture and the type of program you want to build every head coach should do that you should do that but when you look and you see that this is that it's clearly not working, yeah. When you look and you see what happened um, last year, and then you go out and you say, you know what, like I, maybe I was too loyal to Brandon Streeter, so I'm gonna fire Brandon Streeter and I'm gonna hire Garrett Riley. I'm gonna do this big flashy hire and I'm gonna bring this guy in. 
Um, when you're doing those things, and then on the other side, you're saying, "But I'm not going to let these. I'm not going to go out and get these other players, right? Like I'm not. I'm yeah. not going to go and fill fill actual skill player gaps no. from the transfer portal. But like, That's I'm going to change. I'm going to evolve my mind on this. It's. I think it has passed Dabo by, and I think you know. Obviously, it's 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 one game. Clemson has an opportunity to turn things around. Dabo uh, has an opportunity, you know, to to um, change and evolve. He's not going anywhere anytime soon at Clemson. But man, it was a tough scene watching Duke in Wallace Wade Stadium. Duke. <laughs> I mean, Daniel, they shit canned. Clemson, they literally beat the brakes off of this team. Yeah, um, in in every phase, and um, and I think Dabo, you know, if that doesn't wake you up, if that doesn't make you think, maybe maybe my approach is a little bit different. Uh, it should should be a little bit different. Then I don't know what I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Absolutely. Uh, all right, that's enough from week one. Let's look ahead to week two. Give me. Give me, give me the thing that you're most excited to see. Give me the thing, your number one pick for what you're looking for this weekend, yep. week two of college football. It is an interesting slate. It's a nice week two slate, John. There's a ton of great games. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know, the, the national spotlight is going to be uh, on Tuscaloosa. And what I'm looking for is, is Alabama for real. So Alabama comes out. Jalen Milrow looks great. They look like they have three quarterbacks that can sling it around. Um, and you know what it reminded me of, Daniel? And and I'm not saying this to be flippant. I'm, I really genuinely mean this. It reminded me of last year. Alabama comes out, has the most talented roster in college football. They come out. They put 55 on Utah State, 55 to nothing. Bryce Young goes yep. for six TDs. And then the next week, they should yep. have lost what to happened? Texas. 2019. They, they should have yeah. lost to Texas. Texas yeah. was more physical. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get knocked out of that game, maybe Texas wins the game. Um, and so I'm curious to see, is this Alabama team going to be different from that team last year? Is Has Nick Saban brought Alabama back to this joyless murder ball? Or are we in a situation where, you know, yeah, yeah they went out and they beat up Middle Tennessee State. And now um, Texas coming in, uh, you know, we'll see if Alabama is for real. See, I'm not. I'm going to take the other side of that game, not in terms yeah. of prediction, but I'm going to. I'm interested yeah. more in the other side because to me, yeah, I think I know a little bit more of who Alabama is now. I don't know if Alabama is a national championship level mm. team, but I know that the floor for Alabama is very high. Like I, there, there's a very, and and now after watching LSU this weekend, I just cannot. There's there's not an obstacle for Alabama in the SEC West. The floor for this team is probably eleven and one, a you know with a chance going into the SEC championship game, playing first spot in the college football playoff. I would imagine. I I feel like I know I know a decent amount about Alabama. What I don't know is is Texas ready to actually mm. take one of these moments and make something happen with it. The the Texas is back memes obviously are you know have been running around for years now and are 
and are comical and funny and whatever. But I'm not talking about like is Texas back in that sense. I'm talking about like is Texas ready to step up and actually take one of these moments and convert on it, actually make good on it. Because Texas has not as talented of a roster as Alabama, but Texas has a very talented roster. There are playmakers galore on the outside on this team. Uh, They have a very talented quarterback. They've got athletes on the defensive side of the ball. The lines are good. Um, Texas is a complete football team. A lot of people had Texas in the playoff coming into the year. Obviously, they struggled week one against Rice a little bit. I mean, it wasn't a struggle. Is a struggle is probably a stretch, but they did not look as good as they wanted to look against Rice week one. Um, JT Daniels and the Rice Owls, by the way, R.I.P. to JT Daniels. Um, it. Um, I'm ready to see if Texas is able to capitalize. Now it's a road game in Tuscaloosa. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. It's going to be an incredibly difficult ask for this team to do it. But at some point, if you're going to be that team, mm-hmm. like if you're going to be Florida State, you have to go out and you've got to shut somebody up. You've got to just go out and take what you want. Is Texas ready for that moment? Could they pull this game off? And if they do, the hype, and the hysteria around Texas football will not be rivaled by anyone the entire season. Well, you know someone who has never done what you have described ever in the history of ever God, of that his sounds career like poverty. is Steve Sarkeesian. He has never yeah. done. Steve, Car- Steve Sarkeesian has never won a big game Anything? with the stakes as high as this one. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. And no. so if – Really great so run as point, an offensive coordinator and analyst. Yeah, but to your point, if Texas can pull this off, um, uh, it is – it's just going to be brutal. I'm going to have to have more to drink if Texas pulls this off. I'm just going to be it's, honest because uh, next boy, week it's going to be it's going to be hot. Next week, it might need to be another Texas bourbon that you are bringing out in honor of in honor of the victory. Um, all right, anything else you're looking? A lot of a lot of kind of budget games this weekend. A lot of yeah. low key, really good games. Friday night, yep. Illinois struggled against um, who they play Toledo? Toledo. I think they played Toledo. Yes. Had to kick a last second field goal to beat Toledo last week. Illinois is a team I was really high on coming into the season. They go to Kansas, obviously a darling team from last year. Duke was a darling team from last year, and everybody thought, oh, Duke's going to come back down to earth. Oh, wait, nope. Duke is not going to come back down to earth. Mike Elko apparently is serious. Uh, is Kansas serious? Are they going to continue try to continue this? That Illinois-Kansas game is interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what's interesting to me. Um, if you're if, if you're talking about lines, um, UConn. Did you see UConn's offensive line versus NC State? UConn has. I actually texted uh, someone and said, UConn's offensive line is legit. And then I had to actually come back and say, I had to actually come back and say. And I'm not even being sarcastic. Like That's... I'm actually, I mean that for real. That's the um, kind of text that when you send it to someone, they're like, did we at some point agree that if I was in trouble and needed help, that I would text you the phrase, UConn's like offensive the, line is legit? Line. Like, is that your, yeah. is that the phrase that indicates yeah. that you have been abducted? Like, correct, correct. 
But UConn, if uh, you know, if you're if you're looking for uh, interesting lines out there, UConn is a uh, three point underdog versus Georgia State, and mm. um, and I think yeah, I think UConn, I think that's a that'll be an interesting budget game to see if Jim Mora, you know, again, at the end of the day, uh, we're talking budget, we're talking budget picks, right? These are yeah. these are bottom shelf, and U- UConn, I think, is is one of those that. Um, is intriguing after their performance versus NC State. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm also interested in, in seeing is um, Georgia went out and put 48 points up, over 500 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Georgia fan base absolutely livid over the performance, which is, which is just – I had not even – John, I had no. not even noticed that at all. Yeah, which is Poof. just – just wild, um, but I am interested in seeing uh, Georgia. You know, uh, has has Ball State coming in, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in seeing Dave Letterman's if, alma mater. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in seeing if Carson Beck, uh, you know, if if he evolves from week one to week two, needs um, to find a rhythm. And, yeah, find the rhythm. Yeah. Uh, Old Miss traveling to New Orleans to Tulane. Two that Orleans. is a that is a monster game mm. that like if you if you're a casual college football fan you're not circling that game that is a monster that's not that's a budget a pick game. and yet no, somehow it's is, a budget pick like but that's a the, the venn diagram of mm-hmm. lsu tulane ole miss mm-hmm. uh, i don't think people realize when you get it when you get in that vicinity of the country what that tulane game means to lsu to ole miss uh and yeah it, it is like yeah. those Tulane fans, they get it at home. Like they get Old Miss to come to them and get mm-hmm. a home game against an SEC team, like you said, geographically right there. Right there. Like they those it's gonna be a crazy atmosphere. Uh Tulane's a good football team. They I thought South Alabama was going to come out and maybe shock them a little bit in week one, but they beat a good South Alabama team in week one. That's going to be interesting, Lane Kiffin going on the road at Tulane. Yeah. All right. It's going to listen, be a good week. If you've if you've been with us all this time, may God have mercy on you, uh, first of all. But thank you so hopefully much. You've been, hopefully you've been sipping on something good while you've been listening to this rambling. You would have had to. You would have had to. Um uh, Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube right now. Subscribe. Do us a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that thumbs up. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you're drinking while you listen to the show. Let us know what you're looking forward to this weekend. Let us know your takeaways from the the previous weekend. Do all those things. If you're listening on podcast platform, subscribe, follow us, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. We appreciate you guys. We'll be here every Tuesday, the Speakeasy Sports Show, uh, taking sips. And uh, what do we say? We're keeping the the, the spirits high. And the, I don't know. I don't remember what it was. We had a whole catchphrase lined up. It was going to be something. It is, this is, this is uh, it's, it's college sports and high spirits. College sports and high spirits. There it That's was. That's what we're about. God. That's what we're about. That's Listen, we're here's on. the situation, Daniel. We've got to give our taglines and subscribing where you can find us before we spend 45 minutes drinking bourbon That's, and talking about ball. <laughs> we'll be ready. We'll, we'll, we'll be episode we'll 2. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it sorted out. We'll do it. We'll do it yeah. the right way. All right. We'll Absolutely. see y'all next week.